Hey folks, I am live with Lauren Witzke. We just had the shortest little chat, but we've actually never spoken before, except for me just pounding on Instagram, just messaging you constantly to get you to come on my channel. And I finally did it. I did it here with Lauren Witzke. Um, for those of you that are not uh, familiar with her, could you just give us a little summary of um, your past political involvement? I think that's probably a, a good place to start. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I ran for United States Senate in the state of Delaware. That was my first real political uh, involvement. I, I worked for the Trump campaign prior to that. I was actually fired from the Trump campaign uh, <laughs> <laughs> for being too conservative or being a hardliner on immigration, which I still am to this day. It's funny how it's become such a controversial issue to talk about immigration. I know, um, right? Supporting yeah. illegal aliens. It's like, oh my gosh, you're like, that's like just so controversial now. And it's just funny to see how society has changed. Um, but I have not. Um, I ran on an immigration moratorium in 2020. My first run for United States Senate, I was in Delaware. Joe Biden was on the top of my ticket. So um, it was always a long shot, but uh, it was quite an experience. It was great. It was white pilling in a way because we broke the Delaware record for most GOP Senate candidate votes in Delaware history by 50,000 votes. It's a lot of votes. And, um, you know, we were able to pull out a whole new base of people, uh, people that have been disenfranchised and left behind by the establishment and motivate them to come out and vote. Um, so that was really my first experience. That was my first deep dive into politics. It was quite an experience. Uh, <laughs> you learn a lot. Um, it was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, maybe I'll run again. We'll see. Uh, I'm not really sure uh, what's next. But um, as of right now, I launched a media company. I figured I watched as uh, media is it's controlled. It controls everything. They control the narrative. They control legislation, uh, opinions, <laughs> policies. And I got frustrated with the people in charge and I decided to build something better. So we started a Christian media company. Um you met uh, my partner when he was helping me with the IT stuff, <laughs> uh, Edward Zaw. He, uh, we uh, started this company. We produce a lot of shows. We're really taking back the narrative um, on things. We produce um, shows like the Stu Peter show, the Dr. Jane Ruby show, Crosstalk News. Um, and uh, we've had a lot of fun. We've had a lot of success and um, we're just getting started. So. That's great to hear that you shifted your focus um, in preparation for this interview. I watched a lot of interviews that you had done in the, the 2020 era. Um, and I was wondering, uh, you are a very positive presence in American politics. Do you feel like um, since the election, like your perception has changed in terms of uh, your positivity, you're being white pilled? Yeah. Um, so after the election steal was completed, I think I share the same feelings that millions of other Americans felt uh, they succeeded in stealing an election. It was a like an overthrow of our nation is what we literally witnessed. And it was super black pilling. There was also, I remember when I was campaigning and I watched as they tore down Caesar Rodney's statues. I went to protest it, but he was a man who signed the Declaration of Independence. Um, he was you know, one of our founding fathers, one of the big leaders in American history. And I watched as uh, these heathens chanted and pulled it down. Um, and I remember saying to myself, like, this, it was the most discouraging day um, ever uh, for me when I was mm -hmm. like, wow, America is done. Like, we're allowing this to happen. America yeah. is done. Then the steal completed. I was super black, but I was like, oh my God, like, 
Joe Biden's president. We have an openly hostile government. Then they put me on the domestic terrorist watch list. And what? On my bank accounts. It was like brutal hit after hit after hit. Um, and, you know, yeah, I did get black pill for a while. I, uh, I did have a lot of hope. Now I see what our country is descending into, but it, I'm really concerned. It's not like I'm black pilled. Um, I'm super concerned. It's super concerning that Joe Biden uh, is polling at a, almost an 80 percent disapproval rating and they aren't changing course. It goes to show that they don't care what we think. Uh, the people in charge, because we know it's not Joe Biden who's in mm -hmm. charge of the country. He has handlers um, who are managing this country do not care what the American people think. They're not looking to like they've already mastered the art of stealing an election. We saw that in 2020. Um, you know, it never been really done before on that level. And they succeeded. And they succeeded by taking over the media. The media would name you a quack if you even mentioned the fact that they ruled suitcases out. Um, oh, right. right. Georgia, you know, that kind of thing. And um, they tried to tell us, oh, that's the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> and for a while there, you know, it was looking pretty dark. Yeah. It was looking really dark. But I am encouraged because... What I'm seeing now is people who otherwise would not have gotten involved, uh, people who were timid or didn't want to say things like anti-white racism or, um, you know, things that really would have pushed, helped us push the window um, are now walking in boldness because they're seeing the blatant evil of the other side and how much they actually hate us. And it's gotten to the point where we're starting to realize those people will never like they'll never vote for us. Those mm -hmm. leftist, libtard, tranny freaks will never vote for us. You can't negotiate with them. You can't negotiate with them. That that's such an important concept. And I love this concept of um of walking in boldness. I'm gonna I'm gonna start start using that. Um, but do you still believe that we can save America through conventional means? Because I just have this feeling like, well, um, voting doesn't matter. We should shift our focus uh to moving the Overton window because the stuff we're saying, just the way we're talking conversationally, even saying things like lived hearts, this is the way everybody talked when I don't know how old you are, but I'm 34. People just said whatever they wanted when I was in high school. And I mean, it wasn't it wasn't that long ago. It's just amazing how much things have changed. And and even uh three, four, five decades ago, what what we believed was basically a centrist philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. And we uh, compromised with a centrist philosophy. And we when did. we were in charge, we didn't harness our political power in order to crush our enemies. That mentality has changed, especially this year. Yes. So, you know, they're literally chemically castrating children. We're indoctrinating <laughs> children in schools. Uh, they're fighting for post-birth abortion. Oh, it's not even abortion at that point. It's murder. Like inhumanity. Um, we're seeing everywhere... And we're starting to realize, man, maybe I shouldn't have compromised on that. Maybe I shouldn't exactly have with that. Um, you know, I know that they have mastered the art of stealing a presidential election and they did it with the help of the media and everything else. However, locally, people are getting involved. Local elections. Uh, you know, we have friends out in Idaho who took over their entire Republican local committee and like hijacked the whole thing. In and North Idaho? Huh? In North Idaho? I, I guess so. Yeah, oh. it's like the yeah the the AF crew out there. I know it's like Vincent James yeah. and all them. They literally That's where I live. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and they literally took over the Republican committees, harnessed all that money to actually weaponize politics in a way that was effective, mm -hmm. and win locally. It starts with your local school board. It starts, you know, I know like federal um, elections matter because of the budget. Um, we would get funding for a border wall if we have people that are actually, you know, supported. That kind of thing it matters. But locally, you can make changes. And I realized how important 
local state politics are. Uh, your governor, it's super important, you know, and you can crush uh, a rhino governor, you know, in a primary if you motivate your base out to vote. But the issue is you have to get people who are already on the fence about you or supportive of you motivated out to vote. We're not going to get the other, the any leftist vote. Get that out of your head. We have mm-hmm. made so many compromises trying to accommodate and, well, they'll never vote for us. Like, you know, if we say this, no, you need to motivate right. your base, your um, white working class base, give them a reason to show up and vote for you. And they will. And mm-hmm. that is the mentality that has shifted. And I'm seeing it shift and I'm seeing it work. So we're able to primary people out on a local level by motivating a church to come out and vote for a school board member. Uh, Virginia was really encouraging. They uh, recently, they're, they locally, locally, they completely um, took over their local school board. There's three of them. Uh, they got them elected. They worked really hard to get three school board officials elected. They changed the name back uh, to like they had taken uh, changed the name of the school from Robert E. Lee uh, to like some George Floyd. I don't know. <laughs> they voted on and they immediately the first thing they did was change it back to the Robert E. Lee school. Um, so like, yeah, like it, it matters. We are winning. We are taking back ground. Um, Oklahoma just signed one of the strictest abortion bills into law um, that, you know, will basically ban it from its state. People because it's not like they're worried about losing votes. They're realizing that the other side is evil and you can't compromise with it. And they deserve to be crushed. And that mentality is very encouraging because right. nothing is worse than the Christian army rising up. Like that is that scares the crap out of them. And it should oh, yeah. because, you know, now we're realizing, hey, we're not just fighting these daggum Democrats and libtards. We are fighting pure evil. And you can't. That's true. That's evil. true. But I hate this concept of converting the normie at this point. It's like after COVID and everything that's happened, these people are lost to us and we need to focus on our base. So I understand where you're coming from. Um, my my issue with this local, po- my resistance to this local politics thing um, is that no matter what we do, I still feel like we will be at the behest of a corrupt federal government. And so at this point, I'm like, uh, outside of balkanization, I just don't really know that I see that much of a path forward. Although um, a lot of people like you and a lot of my friends out here in North Idaho are feeling very good about converting local politics to to conservatism, like across the board. Yeah. um, See, balkanization, I've been hearing about that, you know, a local civil war. um, We need to separate um, completely. That's never going to happen. Once you get that in your head, that's never going to happen because Biden will bring in the U.N., and we will, that is what has happened. And they will kill us all. They're never going to allow that to happen. <laughs> I know. I know you're right. But I just, our, go- our federal government, is just so corrupt. And I just, I, I, I what if we take all of this ground on a local level and then, and then they just take it back and they just take it back? Yeah. Well, it, it starts small. You know, mm-hmm. we tried to take it back nationally and we failed. You know, yeah. they just stole it. They blatantly stole it. And then they called us crazy mm-hmm. and threw us on lists for fighting against it. So, you know, I'm all about taking back territory, but the way forward, uh, Andrew Torba and Gab has done a really good job of that, building a parallel society, a a society outside of um, the corrupt current society that the federal government does control or have a say in or the bankers control, you know, those bankers Real problem. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, Lauren? Please elaborate on that. You know what I mean. <laughs> but um, so, you know, like having your own payment processors, I never was on like 
PayPal. I never really used PayPal or I actually don't even use Uber or anything like that because I knew it would eventually get taken away from me. So I was like, I'm not even going to get used to using this and leaning on this um, because I know that it's, I'm definitely going to get banned from it. They're going to put me on a list where I'm like a terrorist and can't even bank. They shut down my bank accounts. You know, I can't even (laughs) bank at Wells Fargo anymore. Um, So I found a local bank that is, um, you know, they're ran by conservatives. They're not ever going to shut me down. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they even call me when they're like, hey, um, you know, we're getting some questions about like they watch my deposits, like the federal government is watching my deposits um, into my bank account. And so when the they're like harassing my bank about it. So my bank will call me and she'll be like, listen, girl, like they're doing this. And I'm like, okay, great. Thanks for letting me know. They won't shut me down. So it's finding your people and operating in your people. So, um, you know, like, yeah, it, it's, it's scary, but it's real. And you have to prepare. You have to build a parallel society. You have to build alternatives outside of the norm. Um, I started gardening because, you know, they're talking about food shortages. I don't really know if this is like sensationalist hype or whatever, but it is looking like when the baby formula shortage, like, that oh, was, yeah, like, yeah. That was like, okay, like babies are going to starve and they're telling you on the news to call your doctor. Like I was like, hmm, this is very bizarre. So yeah, building a parallel society alternatives is very important as well. You know, shutting the TV off too, you know, like the world isn't that bad if you're not sitting there consumed by it. Mm -hmm. Um, Have a source that you get your news from, a reliable source where you can get, you know, the absolute truth that you know. Um, Turn it on. See if you have a question like, hey, okay, this is going on here. And then turn it off and spend time with your family. As you know, the smallest form of government is your family. And if your house is not in order, yeah, it is. And if your house is not in order, how do you expect to change the world? Um, You know, I know you just had a baby. Very cute. Two years ago. Not not that recent. (laughs) Precious, precious. You look fantastic, by the way. Thank you so So, much. You know, and you get that, you know, like now you are managing a small government, you know, within Mm -hmm. your home. An unruly yeah. government that is in the bath. <laughs> yes. A rebellious and unruly government. Yeah. But you realize how important, like, you know, having your house in order before you take action outside of that, how important that is. That's definitely true. Um, In terms of American institutions, outside of getting into local politics, uh, how can we deal with this loss of confidence in these institutions from the election theft? And um, for me, it was the lack of prosecution for the myriad violations of the Clinton campaign and, and the FISA violations. I was still in this place mentally where I was like, there will be justice because I still have faith in the, in the justice system. You know, like if it's not going to be uh, the other branches, I was like, the judicial branch is going to is going to clearly take care of business. But I have been um, just so disappointed. Even Kavanaugh has been a major disappointment. How can we um, instill trust in these institutions that continuously fail us? You can't trust them. Uh, <laughs> I hate to be, be like, but here's no, I, I understand. Also, yeah. Like, um, look at what happened with Derek Chauvin. Okay. Yeah. So the autopsy report came back that George Floyd had died in an overdose. He was using the exact same methods that he was taught uh, to restrain him, the knee on the back of the, you know, shorter. But you know what? The media decided the justice system, like made the decision for the justice system with that. Um, the public narrative and public opinion matters more now than justice. And once you accept that reality, it's it's a fact because you can wave your pocket constitution or, you know, or share the law and the rules. They don't care. Right. Um, so, you know, it's... 
we have to be careful. That's the fact of the matter. You can't trust it. You can't because it is rigged against you and it hates you. Oh, um, I totally agree. Yeah, but yeah, can yeah. we have a functional society and a functional government without faith in institutions? Do you currently think we have a functional government right now? <laughs> no. Exactly. That's yeah. the answer to the question. However, with that being said, I don't think all is lost because we have been emboldened uh, because we've like ignited a fighting spirit that America, like we realize like this is the beginning of the end, unless we do something, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're a full speed ahead to collapse, giving $40 billion that we don't have to Ukraine, to Ukraine. To wage a world war. Yeah. And while we can't afford to even fill up our gas tanks to get to work <laughs> or, you know, you're spending thousands and thousands of dollars at the grocery store or, you know, it's just, completely they no longer represent us yes our government no longer represent us re represents us so what's next um <laughs> you have to be careful because they will come for you they'll look for excuses to come for you people attended a rally uh people like nicholas fuentes didn't even go into the capitol building was further away than i was and got put on a no-fly list they aren't playing by any rules mm -hmm. there are no rules um it's just crush your opponents and we need to adopt that same mentality exactly Yes. yes. We will not get down in the dirt with them. And I do not understand this. Everybody's going to die with their principles. I would rather compromise in some ways on that level and use some Alinskyite tactics to beat them. And then we can build something that's a little more fortified morally. But like we have got to do some of the stuff that they're doing to us. We're never going to win, yes. especially in the media. Man, they have dragged my name through the mud. I know that they've dragged your name through the mud, too. Um, how have you dealt uh, with being smeared by the media? Um, so I just hit him right back now. You know, <laughs> we, we created a, a big platform ourselves and we uh, smash them like they smash us. You know, they blatantly calling me a white nationalist now, you know, so, you know, I just call them out for the satanic pedophiles that they are. And, <laughs> you know, right. and they expect, they, they, they're used to us cowering and being like, oh, my gosh, I'm not a white nationalist. Like, why are they saying these horrible things about me? Like, why? Like, I'm not these things. I'm not racist. Blah, blah. You know what? These people have, like, I'm pretty sure they're eating kids. Like, I'm pretty sure that they're eating kids. <laughs> yeah, really. Like, like, you were talking about Hillary Clinton and stuff. That woman eats kids. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And when you call them out for the satanic baby eaters that they are, you know, they kind of knock it off. Yeah. Um, when they realize that you're not going to back down, apologize. And they have no say. Like, you know, their opinions about us don't matter anymore. That's, right. a, good, that's a good mentality that we have adopted. And we didn't have that before. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, I know there was no justice for Hillary Clinton. Yeah, I know there was no justice for the Russian collusion hoax, and it's demoralizing. Um, we're looking at, you know, Project Veritas, for example. They caught so many people doing so many illegal Yeah, and nobody cares. Exactly. And it's like nobody cares. And that is the biggest thing is like, yeah, like you have a passion for justice. You obviously have a heart for justice and you're watching your black pill because uh, you're watching as no justice is served. Um, and it's instead retaliated in a way where we're getting punished for things that, you know, noticing things that they are doing, um, you know, and I get that. But I don't want like if we give up, if we roll over and die, like I really feel like we're going to have some wins this year. We're going to have some wins this year, but we need to hold these people accountable when we win to crush our political enemies because they are not showing us any grace. We need to remember, we cannot forget what they have done. We cannot forget everything they stole from us. We cannot forget the way they blatantly went after children. Um, you know, especially the LGBTQ lobby, like they're a mafia and you have to treat mafias 
like what they are, by what they are. You can't oh, negotiate. Totally you can't. They try to act all sensitive, like oh, you know, like I'm just. I just want to like get married and like live my life. And you guys are so mean to me. Why do you hate gay? Listen, I know your agenda. We saw it. You said nothing as they right, were coming right. to little children. Like even mm-hmm. the log cabin Republicans. Like oh, what a joke. Purge. We need to purge society of the log cabin Republicans. Like they need to go back to the Democrat Party. Blair White and her transgender dress and it's so gross but that's also what we need to do too we need to clean our own house and um when we win press our enemies because they did not show us the same grace oh we have to be um merciless in retaliation i think that's a very important thing to remember and uh as as far as these rhinos and everything go i agree with you but it's also this constant this insipid constitutional conservative a conservatives uh, a group of which i used to be a part but the constitution has failed to protect us from this cultural degradation um so in future we are going to have to erect something that is uh that is stronger um and i don't know what that looks like right now and that maybe that's what i'm grappling with like what is the future going to look like but if we are able to regain the cultural narrative um able to erect some kind of governmental structure that is different, that will um, allow us to be fruitful culturally. Um, Are we going to reinstitute this constitution? I mean, mean, what does that look like to you? Well, actually, they've tried to have a couple constitutional conventions um, with them in charge uh, to kind of rewrite and rephrase the United States Constitution. And it's very dangerous. It's very dangerous. But also we've elected people like Elon Omar, you know, people who have uh, come into our country, migrants who are coming into our country in mass don't give a crap about the United States Constitution. They get elected. They continue to crap all over it. That's Um, true. But she's right about some stuff. Elon? Yeah, some stuff about the bankers. <laughs> I know it's so weird. The, the left has gone so far that I listen to Elon. Uh, I listen to her talk sometimes and I'm like, huh? How about that? A really horseshoe horseshoeing yeah. on this. Yeah. Yes. And she's not, and they're not all, always all wrong, but you know what? <laughs> they're not always wrong. But the fact of the matter is they don't care about the United States Constitution. Sometimes yeah. they hate. Uh, for other things uh, and, you know, the things that they know and that kind of stuff, you know, that comes through. You know, we had uh, AOC last week call, uh, calling for an end to foreign aid uh, for Israel. Um, you know, I support all <laughs> foreign aid being ended. So, oh, yeah, you know, that's yeah, something I can actually get behind. I don't agree with any of her stuff, especially about transgender children. She's a big advocate of transgender children and chemical castrations and puberty blockers and you're beautiful and wonderful. Um, you know, I do not support any of that. She was right about one thing. We got to stop giving so much foreign aid to foreign countries. And, and that's a big thing. We're financially insolvent. What business do we have trying to prop up uh, international governments that that are clearly dysfunctional or never going to be able to stand. It's, it's insane to me. I mean, we have major domestic problems that need to be dealt with. Um, they don't care. They don't care. They don't care. Yeah, exactly. Joe Biden Um, has a difference. Disapproval rating of almost 80%. They don't care. They're destroying our country and they do not care. I'm really curious, like who's in charge. Like, do you ever wonder like who is making these decisions? Cause you know, it's not Joe Biden. It's not Joe Biden. Yeah. Everybody has this vitriolic hatred of Joe Biden. And I just feel like, this is just this old man that's that's crapping his pants. Like he's not he's not really doing anything. I don't think it's Kamala because she can barely string a sentence together. Um, 
I I don't know. I mean, I, I would imagine it's it's upper level swamp creatures and bankers and mega corporations that all have um you know their hand in the cookie jar a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but we're never really going to find out. You know, it's Klaus yeah. Schwab. It's all Klaus Schwab. Yeah. It's George Soros. <laughs> it's George Soros. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like so, when we have these giant boogeymans. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a whole network. It's it a, is. An, it's a network. Yeah. They yep. all talk to each other. They're mm-hmm. all in on it. And they hate a sovereign America. They so do. And they like, all were on Epstein's plane, too. That's, yeah. How about that? Another thing that nobody cared about. It's like this major bombshell and people are like, eh, eh, fine, yeah. it's fine, it's whatever. Nobody cared. But you know why? Also, media didn't really cover it either. That's you know true. What I'm saying? That's because true. they knew, like, and it's, they didn't, the Ghislaine Maxwell trials weren't really public. They weren't pushed out. Like, this was the biggest trial probably in United States history, the mistress of a global pedophile ring was on trial and nobody cared. Nobody cared. I know. (laughs) And nobody even really saw her. It it kind of led me to get pretty conspiratorial. I'm like, is she on some island with Epstein right now? How is Mossad related to this? Her connections to Mossad or what? Like I got so tinfoily. I'm like, is this trial even happening? (laughs) Yeah, because they're not giving us any real information. And so it's so easy to develop your own postmodernism where you're like, is anything true? I have to find my own truth. Um, on that note, uh, I did want to talk a little bit about uh, Christianity. I've, I've heard you say a few times that we didn't have so much taken from us um, as we gave it away. And I think that that is such an important switch in mentality because uh, on the right, I, I do hear a lot of this victim mentality, like like they've taken everything from us, but we gave that up piecemeal through our attempts, uh, our continuous attempts to compromise. And that's such an important point that you made. As soon as we see, like they didn't take it, we, we allowed them to take it. We gave it to them. Um, yeah. I think that we can understand ourselves better and how to prevent this in the future. We can understand our enemy um, and what is the role? I know you're Orthodox. I'm Catholic. What is the role of Christianity in regaining the cultural in the cu- cultural narrative? I think that there is this um, element of truth and all of us finding the heart of truth. Can we do that as a secular society? Well, I think as a Christian, you're a Christian, too. You understand. Remember when they were saying that gay marriage was a slippery slope and a lot of people <laughs> got called crazy. Yeah. I think we see a lot of vindicated Christians. Totally. I, I was like, Rick Santorum <laughs> is such a retard. And now I'm like, he was right yeah. about. And that. I want to encourage other Christians to take that vindication mm-hmm. and that feeling you have of being vindicated. You were right. You yeah. were right all along. They called you crazy, but look where we are now. Yeah. And yes, we gave it away. We made compromises. And the thing about the enemy, thing about Satan is that he's very cunning. He doesn't just come in and take over the whole thing. You give him inches and then he ends up taking the whole thing by the end. You know, even with uh, compromises with uh, like, you know, like just marriage, like that was the most basic one. They went after the smallest form of government, the institution of marriage, the foundation of our nation. And nobody thought it was going to be a big deal. Everybody was like, okay, they just, they're just going to get married. They're going to live their lives. No. Then it became, oh, now we're going to have parades. Oh, now you have to bake the cake. Uh, Oh, no, now you have to wax my balls. And then it's like, (laughs) oh, no, guess what? Now we're coming for your kids. And if you don't, if you oppose this, then, um, you know, we will destroy you. And they literally are a mafia. They are. They're a mafia. They destroy livelihoods. uh, They destroy names. They destroy families. They are. We, But it was because we gave them that power. 
So that's true. But what what is the um the line in the sand that's going to be? You know what was really revelatory? I've talked about this so many times on my channel. My audience is probably like, shut up. Um, but this thing with Molly Tibbetts' dad was was just a tipping point for me because I always thought if uh immigrants come after our kids, if the, if the transgender community comes out, you know, there, there's going to be a line in the sand when people start coming for the kids. But watching Molly Tibbetts' dad, like, talk about tacos or whatever the fuck after she gets raped and murdered by an illegal immigrant, I'm like, people in America, they, they are going to allow their children to be sacrificed at the altar of this progressivism, aren't they? And then that's what we're seeing with, with Desmond, with the transgender community. Like, do you think that the average American is going to draw the line in the sand. Um, I'm really worried about it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, with Molly Tibbetts' father, you know, that is, he decided to virtue signal instead yeah. of pursue justice for his daughter. Um, he could have really pursued some big policy changes uh, with the death of his daughter. And it's very sad. You know, we see that they do it with the tragedy of children, 19 children murdered. Okay, we can weaponize this. Uh, for ourselves. We can weaponize this to change legislation to take guns away. We have to be willing to do the same. That's the fact of the matter. We can't be willing to like, or they will continue to take and take and take until there is nothing left. We have to be able to use our own situations um, in order to weaponize it, uh, to take back territory. And we can't be apologetic in that. You know, like, it was really sickening. That was really sickening, actually. <laughs> it It is, you know, and he could have weaponized his daughter's death to actually make change to make sure it happened to nobody else. But instead, he decided to virtue signal to show himself as not racist and all this stuff. And like, we love immigrants and all this and nothing changed. And he would have been impervious to criticism, too. It's like you had this major tragedy. Even the left, I don't think, would have attacked him. Yeah. Like, come on, dude. But I like tacos. It's like I'm pretty sure white people can figure out how to put like meat and beans in a a tortilla, too. It's like, what's the do we really need all these illegal illegal immigrants here? Yeah, they say, oh, at least we got good food. Well, you know, like they're going to rape and murder your kids. Yeah. And And not to mention the fact that the the opioid epidemic, the heroin epidemic, I mean, that's all them. Mm -hmm. It's all Mexican cartels. you know, they say, oh, China and the fentanyl. Yeah, but you know what? It's brought in by these Mexican cartels and illegal aliens who come in actually legal too. Like we let them in perfectly legally. Like there's no, there's no vetting. There really isn't. We're just letting anybody in. And then they're coming in and, and living in these communities where they don't assimilate. They elect their own leaders. Their leaders hate us. And so we never get a say, like they no longer represent us. But, you know, that's what they did with a multicultural society. They saw that diversity divided us and that's why they did it. Mm-hmm. And it was effective and it worked. Yep. And, you know, it's just crazy. Yeah, I know. I know. And there's mad men out there. But also, like, I see a lot of girls I'm going to get probably some heat for this in the cozy chat. But you know what? Like we as women, like we're like starting to really step up because these men are like cowards. Like look at Lindsey Graham. If it's me versus Lindsey Graham, I'd beat the crap out of him. Oh, yeah. 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 I'd win. I'd win because we have these pansy men who are feminine. Like they're feminine. It's a huge problem. And in general, um, I don't think that there should be any women in politics. I don't think I should be doing this job. Uh, I don't think women should be able to vote. 
but like there are like three or four people I can count them on one hand that I would like to see in politics that are women. And you are definitely one of them. I like your fire. I like your rage. That's a good quality in a politician today. Um, you touched on addiction. I did want to talk about this a little bit. I'm a recovering alcoholic. I spent nice. six months in a rehab facility. I don't think I've ever told my channel that, but I did. Um, I've been sober for a long time and I started my, you thank you, you too. Um, uh, I started my YouTube channel um, in sobriety. And part of the reason that I have um, never really had that much ambition is because I, I harbor all of this shame. I'm, I'm still so shameful. I'm like, what if people find out, blah, blah, blah. And then hearing you talk about your addiction and then um, saying that you sold drugs illegally and legally uh, and just talk about... Um, about how that how that nearly destroyed your life it it gave me this confidence to be like I can put myself in the public eye with my past and people will be forgiving and understanding because it is um it's the plight of so many people and there's this genetic component um and so I'm just wondering how did you overcome this element of shame because um it's it's so consuming in sobriety uh and then allow yourself to be put in a public position where people really seized on that yeah, well, you know, that is something that our enemy uses to keep us bound. So shame is bondage. That's what it is. If you stay in your shame, you don't share your testimony. If you stay in your shame of everything you had done during your dark season, which everybody has had one. You know what I'm saying? Everybody in some way is addicted to something, whether it's gambling, shopping, uh, attention, pride, sex. You know, there's so many things that people are addicted to. There's so many people who have walked through addiction in itself um, that can relate. It makes you human. You know, I did some really bad things. And I didn't get everything I deserved. I say that all the time because I did. <laughs> but you know what? I could have stayed quiet. I could have not ran for office, lived a normal life, not shared with the world everything Jesus had done for me. But that wouldn't have done any good. It wouldn't have changed anything. It would have changed nothing. And, you know, because it, it wasn't me that did it, you know, it's him. I'd be doing God a disservice to not by not sharing with the world everything he did for me. And I, there was times, you know, my mug shots everywhere. There's, um, you know, they bring that up all the time. Oh, you sold this and did this and you said this. And yeah, I did. You know what? That's who I was. And that's who I would have stayed had it not been for Christ. And now I'm able to speak to other people who have walked through this. You know what? Like we aren't like we're not like freaks or something. Like it's not like <laughs> a lot of people have a lot of issues. OK, like you will not believe how many people have a lot of issues. And you can walk in that shame, you can stay in that shame, you can stay bound, or you can weaponize your testimony and use it to make change. And that is what you can do. And I commend you uh, for overcoming addiction, alcoholism. It's worse than heroin because you can actually die from it. That's crazy. You know, like I didn't know that, but like it's one of the most addictive and it's everywhere too. You know, it's right. you go to the store, you go grocery shopping, it's right there in your face every single day. So it's actually harder for you. Whereas somebody like me, I'd have to like, find some drug dealer somewhere and chase it down and do all this, but it's readily available. So actually alcoholics have it recovered. Alcoholics have it way worse than I do. Um, but I commend you and I don't want you to stay in your shame because it's not doing us any good. We need you to use it, you know, use your past to push forward and to make change in other ways, you know, for other people. That really hits me in the heart. Thank you so much for saying that because I just feel like I haven't, um, 
reach my potential or even strive for my potential in the public sphere because I still harbor so much shame about this. And and that is a big part of recovery is is dealing with the sadness of the person that you lost when you were in active addiction um, yeah. and uh, feeling like you can appreciate the life that you have now like you deserve it. Um, because even though I, I didn't get what I deserved either, um, I still feel like I don't deserve the wonderful life that I have now, the wonderful husband, the wonderful daughter. And I'm so grateful, but that still is attached to my shame. My gratitude is attached to my shame. So I will take what you said and I will try to apply it to my life. And I know that so many people are in active addiction that listen to us um, on, on our channels. I get emails all the time. And for those people, um, you know, 12 step programs, they, they do help. Um, it wasn't what did it for me, but their recidivism rate is a lot better than other programs. And I know that you went to a Christian based rehab facility and it works for you. Um, but I think the real thing is, is centering yourself in Christ. And that is what has done six months. Which one did you go to? I went to Betty Ford. Okay. Now what, where, where is that? It's in Indio or, um, not in, in not Indio, the, the nicer area is it's Palm Springs area. Oh, nice. Okay. And you went yeah. for six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, you can't undo years and years of addiction uh, in a matter of like six days or 28 days. No, I, it's got to be a while. Yeah. yeah. I like was a mountain woman out in the middle of nowhere in Virginia in the mountains um, in at this Christian rehab. And they like made us do slave labor, but I just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's good for you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, you know, but it like, it's a process and recovery is a process. It's not supposed to be easy. It's mm-hmm. not supposed to be easy because if it was easy, everybody would do it. Right. Um, you right. have to work for it. You have to fight for it. And yeah. um, that's why it matters so much to you. Do you still have temptation? I don't actually. Um, you know, I don't want to say like, oh yeah, like there's been days. Let me think. Let me tell you working in media, there's been days where I'm like, I'm going to end up back on drugs. <laughs> I said that to myself. I said, good Lord, I'm going to end up back on drugs. <laughs> but unfortunately, I haven't like ever had like the feeling like, oh my gosh, I need to go out and cop some like right, right, right. Like, on meth and heroin, like all this stuff. Like I have so much energy as it is now. Like, I don't know. Like, I guess it's like I bounced back. I was able to bounce back. But also like that's a Christ thing too. Cause like it rebuilt my character where it's not even an option. Like it's not right. an option up here anymore where it used, it used to be a good escape. Um, things are going bad. Um, you know, things are looking bad. You know, I look around in my country, I work in media. So I'm in the midst of it all the time, like seeing all the horrible things that are happening. And it's like, it looks hopeless. And that would be a great escape, but mm-hmm. it's not an option anymore. It's yep. not. I refuse because I am needed. Like we are needed in this. We are needed in this fight. You are needed as a mother. And that is what you are called to do. And sometimes God, you know, we walked through things. And it, it worked as like an equip, like it, it equips you for what's next. Like there's nothing they can really say that's going to hurt my feelings. Like I had guns held in my head, like some yeah. politician calling me a, like a racist, like who cares? I don't. Yeah, exactly. Don't, yeah. None like, of this is as bad as, as the, the depths of the alcoholism. So I, I get where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, in terms of, of society, uh, I know that Portugal had this model, um, has this model where they take drug addicts and they they help ex-drug addicts from prison especially and they help rebuild their social lives they give them reasons to live they help uh they help them get jobs and then their recidivism rate is is excellent i mean i'm not big into prison rehabilitation for violent criminals but i think that this concept of um of giving somebody a holistic 
life in in all arenas is what really helps them to get sober. Is that um, how you see us as a society solving the addiction crisis? Yeah. Well, I mean, specifically the program I went through, it was 12 months, but it was transitional. So the last few months were building your life outside of it, getting a job, um, finding out what you're good at, finding your giftings and launching you in that gifting, you know? And so you're able to live a normal life. You're able to, you know, get married, have children as a woman, like we're able to like learn how to function. They teach you how to cook. They like taught us like things like that, like how to maintain and keep a house clean, like stuff like that. Um, you know, yeah, it's, it's important for men. We helped them get really good paying jobs that we, um, I actually took over the program. So like I was able to like kind of help with that, like help them get jobs, help them get work, line them up with stuff after that and being able to take care of yourself instead of just throwing you out on the streets and like, well, you're 12 months clean. <laughs> you figure it out. Halfway yeah. house with a bunch of other drug addicts. Exactly. And, you know, like I do support, um, you know, I, I, like you said, I don't support like the release of violent criminals. I think they should like be put down. But, um, you know, a lot of those people are in there for drugs and you're not yourself when you're on drugs. So I have a lot of compassion, um, extra grace and compassion for recovering addicts because I know you are not yourself when you're addicted to drugs or when you're withdrawing from drugs, you will make poor decisions. Um, and that's not who you are. But once you get that out of your system and you get clean, and then you are also start doing the work to prevent it from ever happening again, like you can succeed. You can get a job, maintain a job, make appointments and keep them. Like that was a big thing with me. I make all these appointments and I never kept my appointments. Like I haven't missed an appointment in like forever. And like, I have like a schedule and I stick to my schedule and I yep. never was able to even do that before because my life was so chaotic and little things like that, having a schedule and keeping to it and a plan, um, really helped, uh, me as well. And helping other people that way, that's important. That's equally as important. That's going to do way better than sending you to a methadone clinic at 6am every morning, uh, to keep you like your, get your daily fix, you know, totally, totally. And in terms of regret for your past, um, I think that I think about my daughter all the time. And when I'm, especially when I'm feeling really regretful about, about the path that I chose between probably like 17 and 23 and 24, I'm 34 right now. Um, and I think of this, this alternative future where one thing changes, where I didn't do one of these things that I regret or whatever. And then I'm, I'm not led to, to having this specific child. And that just melts away my regret. Do you feel like that um, in terms of the way you've helped people in the political sphere? Hmm. Um, let me think, because, you know, I, I do, I don't, I try, like, I don't want it to be like false humility or whatever, but I have to stay humble. Like, that's the thing. Like, if I like start saying, oh, I've done all this or I've done all this, like, I feel like, like I'd, I'd let pride get the best of me, I struggled with pride. So that's something that I want to, I, I try not to take it that way, but it is good to see that um, I was able to pull a lot of my friends out of addiction. My, a lot of my friends were still in Tennessee, uh, still working for the same people, still addicted to drugs. I was able to pull them out and get them in a program, change their lives. Now one of them is getting married. Uh, the other one has a great job. Like they're doing really well. And I was able to do that. Like that mattered a lot to me. Um, it does feel good to watch as people uh, 
like I like it when the boomers get like ferocious and like I inspired them to do it. Like that's a good feeling. <laughs> boomers are like, yeah, we gotta hang these people. I'm like, all right, all right, <laughs> we're getting somewhere. <laughs> it's, good, it's, it's like funny, you know. It's I like getting people fired up. I like getting people involved. That is a good feeling. Um, that does keep me going, and it is encouraging too. So yeah, it is like it's kind of encouraging to see people doing it. But I like try not to say it's like me because it's like I don't know. I'd like to think I inspire people, but it's just because where I was, like how bad it was. Nobody really truly knows how bad it was and how it really would have been continued to be bad had it not been for Jesus Christ. Yep. That's definitely true. Well, you've been a huge inspiration to me and I really uh, thank you for that. I, I just haven't seen anybody um, tell their story in the way that you have. Uh, I know that there are a lot of recovering drug addicts and alcoholics uh, within our our sphere, but like nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about their struggles because it gives, um, the left, uh, some of our, our weaknesses so that they can seize on them. And I think people are just too fragile, but when you've gone through what you've gone through, what, what I've gone through, it does, um, it does strengthen you to their criticisms. It's like, well, you're going to call me an alcoholic. I, I am an alcoholic. So like, what's, what's the big deal here? Um, like Hunter Biden, for example, that was something they tried to keep secret. Yep. Blew up in their faces. Now they have nothing. They can't hold anything against me because it's all out there. Yeah, That's true. I yeah. For these people. Yeah. I sold drugs for these people. This is what I sold. Yes. I, I fell asleep at the steering wheel. Same stop sign twice was arrested for you know, like all these things. Yes. I got a manufacturing charge. Yes. I have this like, but it's like, they can't hold it against you because I didn't keep it a secret. Like I'm right. like, yeah, this happened. This is where I was. Like, I know how to rebuild. Like, I know how to come back from this and I can help you come back from this too. I can't speak to alcoholics. You can, you know what I'm saying? I'm like mostly good with like junkies and heroin addicts and stuff like that. But like, I can't, like, I don't know what it's like to walk through a grocery store and have my drug of choice right there sitting there next to the bread. I don't know what that's like, but you can speak to that. So that's what, like, that's good. And I want to encourage you to weaponize what you know, what you learned and how good your life is to help other people live the same life. That's true. And I, I really thank you for that. that. That means a lot to me. Um, I'm also really blessed that I just don't have temptation anymore. I think it's probably because of the responsibilities that I have in my life. And you're right. It's just not an option. It's just not an option. I just can't do it. I have a kid. Like I, I can't go down this road again. I can't, I don't have the energy to rebuild my life in the way that I have before. Right. Um, and we both know, like, it's like, it's not like one, like, Oh, I'll just like, take this sip and it'll go like next week. It'll, I'll be fine. No, it like, uh, or I can take this hit of meth, like just <laughs> it's casual meth. Like, no, no. Like, it's like, you know, if you open that door, it doesn't shut. Yeah, and exactly. It. And yep. you know, it'll cost you your family, your house, your husband, everything. your life. Yeah. cost you everything. Philip Seymour Hoffman had, uh, he, when he relapsed, he had one glass of champagne at like a post Oscars party. And within a week he was intravenously using heroin and then he died. So that's just how it goes. I I hear this from people that aren't drug addicts or alcoholics all the time. Like even my good friends are like, you can't just have one drink. Like, listen, I've never in my life just had one drink. The first time I drank, I blacked out and was like barfing all over myself. I woke up and I was like, that was awesome. Awesome. I'm, I'm not wired like other people. There is no one drink. Um, so that's something that I wish, you know, people would understand about alcoholics and drug addicts. Um, anyway, uh, I know you talked a little bit about what you've done in the last year. What are your future plans? If you could talk a little bit more about your, um, your new media corporation, I think that would be a great note to end on. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, we started a media company, a Christian media company, uh, creating Christian content um, and taking back the narrative from the globalist. Uh, yeah, I'll use, I'll stick with the You word. did it. Globalist. <laughs> we'll stick with the word globalist. I'm taking the narrative back from the globalists who currently run the media right now. And you know what? Last month, the Stu Peters show hit 20 million views. My That's Sean numbers. We're hitting Sean Hannity numbers and we're doing it by talking about things that matter. And it, it's been really great. It's been a great ride and we're just getting started. And we did it with like a shoestring budget. Like they like trying to make it feel like, like you can't do anything unless you have this huge budget. No, there's people looking for advertising, like to purchase yep. advertising on shows. So if you have an audience and you have something yeah. to say, like there are people that are willing to partner with you and advertise with you. So there is, there is a way to fund a conservative Christian, true grassroots movement. There's ways to fund, you know, a conservative, like, and also like, if you have sponsors, like, then you have somebody that you like watching, like help them out. Like, buy a sponsorship or buy a product, you know, buy prepper food or whatever you're selling. Are you selling anything? No, but I probably should be because I'm I'm not making any money. So yeah. <laughs> or like, you know, have a gift and go like support that person because they're trying to take back the narrative and we are succeeding. I think we're winning. I think we're taking background. I think we're winning. And I think that this is just the beginning and we need more uncompromising content creators um, in this movement. We're very funny about who we work with too. You know, like I don't want any like normie, like I mostly take the outcasts, like people that have been fired from like Arsenal or uh, the establishment media or whatever. And we bring them in and then, you know, we don't have a million dollars to give them a front, but I figure out a way like we yeah. make it work. Yep. And you know, it's, it's been really good. We hired a bunch of young people uh, and I like it. Like, we have young people, we teach them trades, we teach them how to, you know, work a camera, produce a show. Okay, this is what is looking like, this is what is a hot topic right now. Let's talk about this. Like, that kind of thing, kind of training them up on how. And I realized something I'd rather have somebody with experience rather than um, somebody who uh, has like four years of schooling. I'll mm -hmm. tell you what, like, I have homeschoolers that work for me. Brilliant. Smartest people ever. Picked it up like that picked it up quicker than somebody with a five-year degree, like mm -hmm. in like, journalism. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It just took three days to teach them. Yep. Like homeschoolers are like superhuman. Like no wonder they want to get rid of it. Like I, I kid you not. So, you know, that kind of thing. So we've been doing that. We've been taking back mm -hmm. the narrative. Uh, continue. Uh, if you guys are interested in watching some of our shows, uh, we're on the Stu Peters Network, uh, crosstalknews.com, stupeters.com, some of our shows. Um, and, you know, uh, we yeah, let's just keep pushing and fighting and supporting each other um, as we fight to take back the narrative and take back everything they have stolen from us because they yep. will not win. Never let the terrorists win. And we have a terrorist government. And be merciless in your retribution. You heard it here. <laughs> this Never is Lauren Witzke. She does not mince words. All of her links are below. And thank you so much for joining me. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. Yes, thank you.